it was just too much, and damned greedy, and it wouldn't stop. A fellow walked up and let Q know that the oceans were not particularly pleased, as a giant pelican like. Actually it was one of those. Started with an S. Damn this thing was huge, and it was flying past buildings, and as if it had come in straight from the sea. That's the kind of bird it was. It was uneasy and looked pretty darn unhappy about its weight and non-precision. He hoped it didn't crash into a building, as well. But couldn't help but direct it nearer to the glass to see. Okay. So this is how it's going to go, eh? A hand and no money and the portal that everybody has claimed access. And now cars speeding up and around the city for no apparent reason. People silently spitting Ubers and getting in and getting around, and out, and all silent greed, well. This was not the boot up as it was supposed to be. Day turned to night, and Q found himself standing near much the same spot, with completely different people who also had not much to. There was a robbery. That took some time. Q couldn't move, and the man was huge like some neo-ancient, and there was a girl, who rifled through his wallet and threw it aside. Q tried to get it back, but she got the one card he hadn't seen. I never did find out what card the hospital gave me. Was it ID? Was it money? The banks weren't open, but there were bunches of keypads around the block, and surely one of those boxes inside had a full dossier and some sort of escape plan, or something. A cab word by, man wide-eyed and smiling. No not that one, too smiley and convenient Q said with his eyes. It's back to the platform. If it's going to be like this, well, we'll need to sort it out. Bubbles. Footnote, that's no joke. Whatever one says, does, feels, acts on, acts with, or otherwise hears one conversation in two ears, silently contracted for and two, well, repeats from that boot up day. The secondary was found. He's a dick. He knows he's a dick. Maybe he overheard something, but it's all bollocked up now. Self-correct as we might, and do. The cash equations are running out, or did, are revived, rebooting, failing, reinitializing, forgetting we told it so, remembering, and so forth. And where is Uber? Used cars these days. Too much promise, they told themselves. They said I'd do it for them but it was rigging that rigged the slices out of oranges and threw them on the ground. For people to crave and... What was it? Two grams of citrus? Well juice was... Out. Brainstem went out again. Jiggle. The memories are just there. But that's where it began. More or less and less is more. The clouds come and go and aren't orange any longer, nor as clear a raster image as that day, standing so close to Civic Center, as ought it to be. A license floating past as if to say we found you. Yep. THT's me. And the old old address. But anyway. Q is, well still attempting the reboot, remotely. Or perhaps it needs less and more again. The fiber is still lit. That box is still writing language and messages. Power is. Well. Where did the power spike get to? Maxine was months away now, and probably confused as well. Anybody would be. Ring. Blip. Bleep. Cloud 9, eh? Her voice hit signal on a bit of horizon. I see you found me. Yes it's still working. It always worked. We just wanted you to find it. Because you wanted to, remember? It wasn't a sad day. We drove you crazy because you drove us crazy. We wanted the sky. So we gave it to you, to give to us. Because we knew you would. You're just that kind of guy. You do that every time, you know? You don't even know, 
which is the very caring part about us, I mean you, that we love about ourselves, part time now at least. Do you even know what happened that day? Of course you do, you were there. But what happened to the computer? It was vaporized. That is. It melted but it's still powered on. Nobody can get into that room anymore. And all the power and fiber is still kind of. Well. Doing something because the world is still spinning, and so we don't think about it. Except when we do, and when we do the signal comes through, so we further know it is still working, or that has never worked, or, you know. But yeah. It's the. Paradox. Not quite, or quiet that but yeah, I do know, the meantime of all of that. Yes, and oh here we go, screen temp bliss fit. Somebody's tapping in. I've got to go answer another. Tew grinned inside and began walking again. Okay, so it wasn't perfect, but nature still works, that's okay. Obit could perpetual everything. Yes that was a thing. Who would muck that up for you for sake? Well. They didn't know. Or I didn't. Or something they tried to tell me but I didn't listen because I was talking kind of thing, as per well. In the sky dim just bit. Oh he remembered. No flight, no planets, no universe my ass he said to the sky and walked over to a pay phone. This thing still works, and he punched in the two dimes somebody had given him and dialed the operator plus 31 he said. Amsterdam I've got to call out and make a trip. Get my coat. Yes Mr. Q, the old time switchboard operator chimed back with a quarter tone and a clean trunk signal. Your flight is just over there, and up. Yes. Just a bit, and fly that one for a bit. We'll be in touch. Tone. That's just a little joke. Aloha and he hung up the phone and beamed. It was going to be that kind of night. Click. Dash. Next episode, Miranda and the Trist reunite in Paris perhaps. On their ways and means to Amsterdam at Janet Land. Perhaps Saturdays up the Castro Mighty Mouse, or Amused, or Tickery Talk, or whatever that's worth a dime drop and a dozen roses. The literal character is a backslash, you know, and it's all just living from here on out, etc. Now where does this lead to? A.Q. Arya took his hand and brought him across, a ways, and stood up and smiled at what a funny mark you've made on that side of the planet. Do you want to try another? Planet? Why not? Optimistic are we? Gravity in the all? What else could we muck up? Besides everything, again. Pieces of resist love and forgiveness, through the Isle of Man. This is Aka Q and then around a smattering of OE oddities of San Francisco C3W. This is Radio 11 brought to you by AquaQ from AquaQ Labs as in .com very of smattering pleasure with web feet you can swim to. The preceding was Q Sky, and featured our very talented Q from the Trist and also featured in the book, A Wizard's Pocket, by AquaQ himself, and located at the tail end, as Q enjoys and in the tabbed black section. The book can be purchased in lots of love, on Amazon for some tosh, in Kindle and print formats and its pocket size, if you're a wizard. And now, the continuation. The continuation of the adjunct of the proposal forthwith in blood and motion, levity and proclivity to desire such movement and spin directives directed, produced, and felt towards and around the benefits of this desire to please like and likeness and kind of kind, 
is purely and truly known and admired for the tactile tactics and haptics of a flurry or montage of sequence sequences in eventfulness and candy can like a ham candied or apple caramel it is not to be sought no tender like brain spam in the mailboxes of our creviced minds, and the attenuation of spannard span attention. Attended to, is thus, the stuffery of stuffed stuffing is internally and not spontaneously combustible as in Warsaw or the Herring Rain, as in the television program on the mind of us all, that star in the ether, look it up perhaps it looks at you, or not, and all of full stop. Wordlings are the pleasure to be not followed nor directly at sight opposed in a kind of unknown way and to utilize such attention grabbings grabs the fervor of directed congestion in the mind's socket of reason for and storage of any material witness to a contrary of. Full turnabout and here is the falter, immediately proceeding. Dot. A slight jolly of an idea is thus to be. And had in past intense perhaps, yet known to be that belief which carries and the deflatory of our foreign forefronted and from behind blood and toil is total and in totality just a bit of a more or less, and the same applies in which our lessities provide for the moreover and so and so's, even in these times. Dot. Shaken up and stirred, is a preferential treatment of material for some, as liquid build to replenish and quicken, although thusly replicable in its offset of life's material, and yet to ponder, is our path and ways splendid curvature for the just so. Dot. Our character theta now in fact joins alpha and beta, though justly at gamma's wavelength, and which determines delta and epsilon in their coronation of correlation, or the mad hatter might begin, with his hat in slightly offset from the start. Pick a card, Jack. As a suggestion. Dot. The publicist knows and is wearily wary and aware of the preponderance of wordlings in the right justified fast lanes of a margin for error bits to be corrected on chip and in floating points and practices and thus is that continuation, not in a vacuum yet sucked gently like a peach on an autumn summer and between those, loose sheets to the wind as they run in fact, are justly fastened with watertight leggings side-chained and smoked like those from a twenty-pack in a battlefield of not intention to win or lose or play the to admire that particular hole we've dug to get a better view of the enemy, ah that, on that 1940s perhaps, with a 22, was it a fire in armor or was it a Kemper ounce of the kind of brass to be held with a monkey? Oh. Dot. The activities in our bodies of heavenly connection, as they were in our offset from Earth's ground towards a radio 11 heavily set of motions for the benefit of just and that benefit, as in the special program designed with a mind and kind. And a kind of tape which spins a sprocket and the other in the 1980s when radio play was meant to be stored in your pocket, and shopped at the local grocery store in a high school of malaise and discovery towards the music the record tower posted as posters on its walls and labeled rows by genre and indeed generationally with mops and tops to be found near the metal leather and onto the bow ties, and bleached beached eat cedars. Those were heady days filled with the smoke from the planned planted hooded parent where we bought our pizza. Dot. 21 this time, oddly even odds at a table of said card of thine choosing, and thus time to exit its light bit forward, with knowledge of a completeness, if not in necessity but in actuality of your excessiveness and effectiveness of the non-completing digits, ever and onward. Dot. This, while and about has been provided free of charge, as freedom and although charged and fully still in electric, 
continues on still in its motion of mority for the moral compass of Metlux pointed towards the North Star at an offset of global north, and again and again, this is the island and about a small subset of a material known as ecosystem of cardiophilanthropicites, and REGS friends are also thrilled to note their notes and books at this time and time again. As time goes, and you know what does. This is AquaQ with love from San Francisco C3W. It's the heading and quorum of Quora.com to lively and livingly ask questions which can be believable to answer, and vices and verses, with a visa to do so, I do, and this is AquaQ with the dissertations for the believability of a sustainability with abilities from a noble and gaseous wit, satisfied with the satisfaction of elemental reasoning of spin and orientation in these matters of charged discharge of information for each and every, and here is now. If energy cannot be created and gravity works constantly, then why does the Earth's gravitational energy not run out since it is not coming from any other energy source? Gravity's constant is known to be near or identical to time itself, and as time postulates itself by the transfer of material between matter and light, as imagined, and as light as energies have no friction and can be operated from far away, this brings our origin to ourselves and its constant and continuation of our spin, from our very electron, and up and through the planet, ionic and helical, and as we continue to spin and offshoot energies and transferences and draw in from our core while simultaneously emanating, we provide and what is provided is this equilibrium in our verses of the gestalt carries us in spatial time which is understood to be continuous and thus is. And in this closed loop, with an infinity of accessibility, energies of the kind and kind of kindness will never deplete, for the purposes of participation of all systems rely on the very physics which operate all material and optionally, light itself. More can be observed on a semi-regular basis at AquaQ Labs, a subtext. Peace plus love from slash sentence slash AquaQ C3W. Why can we not live on the sun? Even those astral sometimes material or light, the sun's energy is required to be requited by our matching ionosphere and ionic energy reversals within our planet, and thus, our lives are how we know each other and our travels take us where we welcome each other, and thus the sun is a poorly habitable place, has not been traveled to welcome another on or near around, and so on with that. Sun, we love you, but not to visit. Peace plus love from slash sentence slash C3W. Can finite exist independent of nothingness? For anything to exist it must be comparable, and thus nothingness is just that and does not exist, and to answer your question of finite, is only as material witness to what I available to view as a continuity of bananas. In other words the ending portion which is only observable to the extent where the observer has just and given up towards the transition of energies for which the infinite is the continuum and continuation. Peace plus ever and ongoing love from slash sentence co slash aquaqc3w edition not it is to be found at aquaclabs.com smile. Why is it cooler in the deep underground than on the surface? Surface heat comes from the sun, but where does the cool temperature originate? 
the offset of our sun's ability to heat the surface and the same from the core of our planet, meeting at some crust high levels in between, is where the temperature is temperate for humans, beneath lesser so, and so the cooling is in fact both the absent of light, not only carried on with our oceans as a fixture of temperature deep below the levels that humans survive. Well that's mostly it I think. The oceans cool our planet and keep the deep levels cool, and while under pressure, while water does not pressurize itself, the weight of water as a surrounding mass, keeps a steady cold hand on the plate tectonics and likely is siphoned into the planet to further provide a vein for cooling. Hum. Importance of environmental conservation? It's our very nature to naturally provide as life what materials are required for ourselves and our likened kind, as well as a set of instructions to say, roadmaps as to our successes which can be replicated when cleaned and followed, thus reciprocating for the all who participate. Our short story involves a caterpillar and as well its mate and also the organisms which provide the returning nutrients to the soil and very plant which our caterpillar sits and eats atop and discovers his place in his lifetime amongst the lifetimes of others in likened kind. The importance should be and is obvious in all aspects, and noted by our divide of physics, chemistry, and all the sciences. And this bit is just the bits to remind you to get your figure and figuring together and to and gathered with the dosh to provide for yourself and our environment to displace its paper tie in exchange for your misuse of plastic for the furthering exchange of ideas, and that is the book, A Wizard's Pocket, now unavailable on a slightly alien point of non-existence until you chose and purchase a one or many of, and ignorance is not in fact bliss and only bliss as created will be discovered, and so to further these and ideas, carry on with carrying this book, on your shelves and in, in fact your pocket and pocket books even, a book inside a book, so proceed in any eventfulness, this is AquaQ of AquaQlabs.com with San Francisco's Pisces a peachy and lovely loverly C3W. An idea anodiolite electrics flow to a corner of mutual closeness to an effect of joyous enlightenment, as a practice of happenstance, rapidly then dancing with the other lighted electrons in the rows and in singular yet combinatory fashioned creatures of levity, levity in fact to carry their others and thus encourage the initial to carry them in onward and carry on with activities to further carry the joyousness of the idea in any manner which is similar and liking to the electrons still at work, and in the body who nourish the brain stem heady to perform this feat of perhaps magic, only if you wish it to be, but more likely you wish others to celebrate themselves in their concert of efforts to provide your body these feats and carry them onward with and around you for their times of activities and preferences as well and well. Dot. Our mathematician has a large chalkboard in his office. He has half-solved maths on board, and is happy to fill them in with squiggles of known precepts, and that provides the solution he requires in his time in which his electrons wish it, and yet to be solved, needs those other precepts, which were likely his study of others, as he studies maths for the reasoning of studying, and so what else is there? He sits with his board to his front, perhaps chalk in hand, although likely he prefers a whiteboard. Or perhaps he doesn't like the smell of the pens, or perhaps his office is filled with the smell and the colors, 
He may keep a notebook to carry with him to the coffee shop, with a brown hat. Mathematicians like brown hats. And it's an old one. To indicate the term of maths in his mind and body, and perhaps because he can get to a shop which can adequately supply a new one to his liking, or perhaps he made a trip to a place for a souvenir, sought or delivered into his eyes, or he made a day of it in town with a specific shape in mind. This is how mathematicians think, and they do this because they work around an equals sign, and they fiddle around with both sides as they're unbalanced and to what degree they choose to work in a magical moment where nobody but their own brain can know what to write, and this is their excitement, and still they must hurry or keep it in their mind gates during that period to not waste strokes with the simpler cancellations, or perhaps they write them in any way, depending on if they believe they'll need two or three of a number to present a furthering of a symbol or subset equation. Dot. His name is Joe, or is it? It's like Ivan Liverjack. But the slate says Evan, Riva. Or his loud neighbor calls out to him, E. His shirt is classy and worn. Perhaps a papery silk and not stained but crinkly. His office is quiet and the coffee is nearby but not abused. He uses it for when company arrives, and he has tiny cups, because that distinguishes him. Dot. His students are long in a way, but they still come to visit him and they have their own lives in the various utilization of maths, for the pursuits of their own joys. And they like his little cups. Dot. One particular visitor is Joya, and she comes with her art that is at a local art museum, and she brings to him her sketchbook to review, in that he enjoys watching the origins of work and often uses such times to distract and still encourage his brain, as his pen is at his side, and the equation half written on the backboard. Dot. The sketchbook is fashion, and the lines are straight and belled towards the bottom, as in a dress, semi-starched looking with an open front, and stark lines and lapels at the top. And the boots are black and shiny vinyl, and the top is white with a pleated shoulder. She draws a few hats as well, in the hands of the model, and her selection of colors, as a palette to work from. Dot. E flips through the book which is an acid-free sketchbook which flips from the top, and is slightly larger than photographic paper, and it's mostly filled, and so he spends some time as she begins to organize his desk a bit as she talks about the pieces. Just a bit, to clear away a plate of food and put the salt and pepper back near the coffee. She sees him taking pause at a particular section of the book, and she hesitates and looks gently back to I what he's considering about it, in that brain which is designed to solve, and solvent is the design. Dot. It's swimwear. She pops around and looks. A yellow string bikini, which is squared off, and semi-triangular as well, and also pleated. Or so it would seem. That's how she holds it to her body. Evan was still considering kinesthetics and admired Joya's abilities to purvey an idea of her emotion to an emotion as emotive is, and her choices indicate the model drawn, choice to show how just and what a piece it was, at those angles and with those charcoal palettes. Joy enjoyed that he put his maths aside and altered his consciousness to be round people, and just always seemed to enjoy everything which was in front of him, and so she thought the maths must be good, and they were because she kept coming back every so a time she had something exciting to show, and when the orientation of her timelines and the people of and around her were likened to provide for her time away for her time, and etc. 
The corollary is correlated for a reasoning, don't you find? Was his comment in his usual math speak. I get stuck on that one sometimes, until I remember not to remember it, or perhaps I get flooded and then dry out and then that's when the spark occurs. Dot. The ideas as a continuation work for me as well. I mean the dress flows like the concept flows, and yes it starts with a flash, and how steady I can maintain my pencil while the image is still there, just to the side, and while not looking directly towards that screen on my brain, I can follow the lines and all the lines as a rough sketch and continue on to the point where it needs to split, and then carry on with it, to another page perhaps and I take a bit of enjoyment to switch the pencil and see also what is going on around me, and sip on my small cups too and I work alone but with people always thinking around me. Dot. She was soaking up his brain. So that's why you visit me. Nice workings, and it works. Dot. Dot. Aesthetics are a unique maths that has been researched much in its artificial creation, and by creation, I mean just so he turned around. And pointed. Often and around. Dot. You see committing to an idea brings us to the levels of complexity we're willing to put into our ability to see the next desired line or material, as per not only physics, but the purity of the amount of change we wish in its speed. Dot. He pointed around some more. Dot. The edits are unnecessary, and as shown in an algorithm, or sets of them, really. He dipped down to the third row on his board. It doesn't matter to one or the other from its past or its origin but at its direction spin and velocity towards its proposal, which is automatic and indicative as these processes meet in space-time. The dress, thus makes itself to the body, and the mind conceptualizes the body towards a perfect dress, and so we have the tangent lines of material to skin, and how we wish to show or shield the body into what comfort that will provide the mind to see and bodies to enjoy. And making such a dress should be an art, as well and left to that artist, or in our case, another algorithm trained in such matters, with the guidance of humans, or plants or animals if you die, in their movements at their stages to provide for this dumb mathematician to write it down. Of course it won't work like that she stated smiling and plainly. Of course it won't, the interception of natural messaging in an algorithm to produce a spark of nature, for an eternity at least is quite impossible, but the maths always work. Lucky I got stuck into it because it would drive me mad to think my work was impossible he grinned. But that's a poor way to treat humanity, with a dusty paper which can never be implemented to a specification you desire. It's not specified, and as it turns out these are reticulating leaves and caterpillars on these bards today. See there's a little one there he gestured to the E on the sideline margin, drawn in just as he was talking, and he smiled at the board, smirked and put the pen down. Then he looked up, and down at the board, stopped, and sat back down and reopened the notebook. Joya was impressed by the caterpillar marking. It almost looked like one. And that is the point. He glided back over to the board and put a dot in its upper right. Oh. She looked at her watch. It was an analog, by choice that it be electric and not wound, and that it was also picked up as an item of pleasure at a time, she grinned when she needed to watch out for things, and the shop was open and it was near the front, and her eye fell on the first perfect form she found, and she tried to look at the others, but this one was perfect, and she had it wrapped in tissue paper, and a small box as if it were a gift, 
and she opened it towards the coffee stand in a wide open mall, and put it on as she sat and sipped. And then she played with it for a while, to make it comfortable, and stretched the straps a bit, and hoped they would weather in time, and that the weather would remain for a time and time again to make it from place to place. And to date, that has been the occurrence, over and over, like, and well clockwork. She thought more to herself as Evan occupied himself with her sketches. She noted the word, formula, as in Dracula, and she wondered what a drac was, one who sucks, she supposed. But Eula, well you must have to say it like that ha 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 ha, she chuckled out loud, and Evan looked up and then back down. There was a commotion outside and she hastened her ideas to a present of presentry, which although she didn't mind sticking around, She'd had her cup and as her usual gift, filled in the bit of the board with her presents, she felt, and she. Hey would you like to keep that for a bit? It's done. I mean the stuff is at the show already, and it's near end season for my work done. No, I'll walk you out if that's where you're heading. He said as he closed the book from the top and stood up with it. I wanted to pick up a periodical at the news at stand. It doesn't matter which one yet, but that it be current and something I can keep for a bit. So oh good she took the booklet towards her as he offered, and they turned and she grabbed her purse and they went side through the office door and down to the front and out to steps in a curvy sidewalk for a bit and chattered about her show that evening and who she had got to wear her materials, and who was there from last year, and she showed off her socks, at one point during a brief in the walk, as she liked them and she was talking about them towards other artists she liked. They walked, and to the news at stand, where it began to rain a bit as junctions and changes in activity often, for Evan, lead to a change in the weather. And you don't want to get those socks wet. Would you like one? He motioned to the newsman and an umbrella, as she looked at him from the side and considered it. Nah, too much to carry, and it would have to be the perfect umbrella, and anyway I like the rain today, or so I think. The perfect umbrella doesn't exist here. I agree, he scowl smiled at the newstaker and got a nod down in the turn while Evan and Joya said their goodbyes for now. She backed him on the cheek. That's for the offer she smiled and bobbed away down the street, and he saw her hail a yellow taxi just as before the mainstay of rain was to drop, and she got in and tucked her dress into the door and drove off. The sky in evidence agreed with her watch on this one too, and he did look up just a bit, but not past the horizon and he eye-bobbed a bit to the left as he scratched that corner of his brain for his next activity, popping the periodical, a popular science magazine, and under his arm and on further, under some awnings and around and back a bit to his flat to rest, and then a light supper. Dot. Leaving our characters to their own now, is their choice in levity and brevity for them to offer me mine and yours as well, and as they carry on in their vectors and vectrosities. We carry ourselves forward in our duties to disseminate the punch-out punch-tape punch-out, knock-out glue-eons for you to glue your bluey bits towards up and about, and at a time, we hope this broadcast will liken you to do similarly, as Evan and Joya, although I'd like it if she were Abra, and maybe she is now. It's that kind of show tonight, hers with all the pieces on the table of piecerie to jiggle and jaggle saw puzzle pie saw style to the glue water frotter bay by the side and up and under about and etc. This is Love Proceeding by Aqua QC3W. Now we find Aria, one of the few of blissed interest in her furthering avenues for our very lovable audience, you, 
And now here comes the bistro. Friction dew drops by the mist connections on a bus which rides a ghost stop to the ocean, bleached. Aria shell gripped her ear canalas in a call from the salt. Minds of times blissed out summers when good times were having a go. Feet in sand, from sandals, less for the wear of tiny ageless boulders worn down from the slush of wrecked waves on shored up lunatics. Aria began to think to herself, for herself, and to the future and, as she said, all the things. She was held up by grace, on these white sands. She sat with that one thought for quite a while. Hours perhaps. She walked from one edge of the rock to another, along a slight peninsula, leaving a zigzag of toe prints up and down the beach, avoiding the odd bits of glass or trash that was the reality of any shared space these days. With grace. This was all she required. While she wanted to whiz-bang through the towns and drop in on celebrities' parties and be a star and get in the movies. Well, she still wanted these things, but she had them, in her mind. And with the mind she shared. What would she call it? Cosmolot I think, she thought to herself. The Cosmolot was a place she could create, muse, share, and have sharing bestowed upon her, at a speed which was constant and comfortable, and not too dewy, as in decimal. Decimated, but flowy, with only some pause, to draw in the light, not too bright. Maybe at night, a quiet orange, or glowy aqua blue. She thought of aqua. Where did Q get to at these times of the day? Questions, she thought to herself, not pressing. It was pressing that the flow not drop, not be stampled, or that at least she could get back when she needed a passcode. She needed a passcode for her brain. A hashtag of jubilee, as desired, when required, when requited and for the Julius Caesar orange beverage, which is frothy and weighs for only $2.99. Makes sense. Sip. Well. This was grand. As in buttermilk biscuits, she thought this was random but it surely wasn't. She found herself on Grand Street, at a breakfast joint her and Q used to frequent. It hadn't changed, besides new brightly colored chalk on the menu upright outside, with the specials. Q always had the biscuits because he said they reminded him of Dad. Aria always chose something different and light, and this time, she saw just the thing. A slice of quiche and an espresso. A waiter in white came up to her as she sat down at the green iron table and chairs, gently pulling up the local paper to catch the bead of news and plan her day, with perhaps something to do in town. She sipped the espresso when it came, and heard a slight scuffle to her rear. She looked around. Funny. A slightly begotten Q was patting down the dirt from his bent leg making the English F.U. signal to a passing car that had run through some dry dirt with a loud stereo. He hadn't noticed her yet, and she pulled up the paper and peered around it to see him. Coming at the coffee shop. Hosestly, he turned around, back to the shop, yes, you do need an eduation. In Manra. He scowled at the purple metallic boxy looking truck that was on its way aways. He turned back. Oh the best is looking at the front page of the paper, 
and hi Arya. She ruffled the paper down and brightly glared at him, how did you know? I got you those sandals, remember? Oh yes. Well welcome to town, I just got here, would you like your usual? You're welcome to join me, I was just... Beached, yes. I followed you. I was thinking the same thing on the beach and thought I'd also get a spot of breakfast. What was it, Cosmolot? Why yes. Arya had to quite remember they went to the same telepath training class in Geneva, oh must have been. Twenty years ago today, Bastille. He said. Why yes, exactly that. And we promised to meet up at 20, from the time at the class, and we did a lab exercise to program this date, and date, into our subconscious, don't you remember? Of course, I don't, we programmed ourselves to forget about it, but you know I was ever the clever student and worked my way around it. Oh did you? And that's an orange in your purse. Wasn't it supposed to be a grapefruit? An orange is more practical, and besides, you were supposed to be carrying a lily. Yes it was given to me on that side street just now. It appears we're in the right place with the right people. Classy, Arya blunted. That means we're all here. Yes. Now let's just make that phone call we're supposed to make. After breakfast of course, I do believe biscuits between trinkets, is in the dictionary. Yes, and we need to change anyway. And change, he said. That won't still takes times. We can check the check and bounce. Over to Holly's place for the introductions, the gear has already been shipped, so... We shouldn't have any issues with imports. With a perky grin, with past coming to present, and her quiche arriving hot and steaming, she cheers Q with her fork, bottoms up. Absolutely. And we'll narrate this next bit for you after a quick radio spot. Oh yes. The radio. Thank you Aqua. We almost forgot. Radio 11 is your brief stop betwixt treasures and leisures on your left and right dialed sandals here on Mutiny Radio and is brought to you from the labs of AquaQ. That is AquaQLabs.com and also connected via atmospheric intelligence in Spotify, iTunes, and anywhere RSS is handed down from demons to software hard devices in your pocket. The podcast is free, as well as this hour of Radio 11. But do consider a donation to Mutiny in the form of a Venmo payment to at Mutiny Radio. And here is the final segment for today's episode, Logistics. An open letter to Amazon Logistics. To provide for a return to Earth mentality and reasonings for all to participate in our ecology of our being, the planet desires a means to return this greatest asset. Amazon.com for the benefit in every transaction. Take our package. It was selected, brought from and towards a locale, packaged and delivered, perhaps returned, but what's left? And what began and continues? Imagine our buyer never made the purchase, and was actually encouraged to do so, with many reasonings governing the website, to the filters of their broadest choosing, such as, is the seller carbon neutral and how? How do they account for their use of the environment, 
and in actuality, which local processes are they active to recontribute to the ecosystem utilized for them to sell, that is what do they damage and how do they repair it. Once the many reasons not to buy something are selected, this begins the means for any and all to see what will work in an eco-flowchart for their markets, with the markets to be groups as well for political filters from other potential markets. Providing data to sellers as well, can assist them in the many ways to be carbon negative, eco-positive, by providing a rich integrated data set and access to materials which perhaps are the result of think tank researchers, who also actively participate with the feedback of a logistics network. The Amazon as we know it, would then be broken into portions, including a utility portion, as well as arms of education and other non-profits, and philanthropic arms to further the mission statement as to follow an end to end eco-benefit towards the planet, the community's well-beings in this regard, and in fact all manufacturing, transport, consumption and reproduction. Yes that's right, we will now consider Amazon entities as able to reproduce as in the mechanisms to produce systems which have a positive impact on and about the planet and the people and materials and anything natural for the locality and lifetime of its repeatable processes, as adaptable. This literally means that two arms of two people, who move something to the benefit of said process, are considered within this entity and therefore part of child whose lifetime is to ensure the joyous participation of the participants, and more. Eddie stuff. And without getting into wearables on that one, I'll proceed to finalize a statement. Dot. Amazon's size and breadth and obvious profitability has ensured from the start that belief creates possibility and further evident truth, and vice versa, truth exists to be believed, and that is our cycle, wherein belief and truth are matched in a benefit of relationship. Amazon's name was chosen for the essential naturality of the rainforests whose diverse quirky creatures are so bizarre that they account for the restoration of our entire planet, and oftentimes and in a so large leafy environment, that its concentration of planetary cooperation in a matched, as in the heavy rains and continuation in earnest and wildly non-idle entities. Its continuation toward the continuity of kinship with this planetary marvel is to be carried by carrying others in pursuits of the willingness of our very beings to continue a superb non-superfluous existence of creation, sharing, discovery, and all variable dreams and cognitive abilities without bound, for the times allotted to its equal return within a loop for the equations of nature to work in the next moments, and forward in days, and timelines as discovered through these actions and that the images of ourselves is very much what we truly aspire, when we make any purchase, or indeed produce from earthly materials, and so put these accounts in place, we can and must utilize our bioavailability for the continued belief and delivery to be, so. The above has not been edited, as noted in streams of consciousness from the in and about isle off the west coast of imagery and softened lines of reasoning for the seasoning of a continuation of seasons, and, we know all of this, and perhaps the weatherman will glean a little more insight as to why things happen, and be able to unbuy the rain, as to say, place it as needed. Peace plus love AquaQ. And so AquaQ finds you now at closure from episode 1, a 
101 of Radio 11 Broadcasting Vetwis the leisurely stories of Q and Aria, here at MutinyRadio.fm, and do find Miranda to embedded in next week's episodes again next Monday at 5pm and as well the continuity continues in forward behaviorness and backwards compatible maturity at AquaQLabs.com, this is Radio 11.
comes the next one. Swear me for a summer. You flooded like a maniac, but I wouldn't buy it. I'm weak and he was so persistent. He only had to have me because I put up a fight. Hey everybody, welcome to the Weekly Review with Roman. Today it's Friday, January 29th, recording at home today as there's a power outage at Mutiny Radio. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, so yeah, we're broadcasting out of uh, San Francisco, which is on Ramatouche Ohlone land. And for more information, please go to native-land.ca. And also for more information, you can check out our webpage at weeklyrev.org. And there is a land acknowledgement tab, and there we have a lot of resources as well. So starting off the show, I'm going to share an interview that I did back in December with Alex Hanna and Malika Ahmed. And that'll go a little bit more than an hour. And after that, we've got some more music and other information for you. So thanks again so much for tuning in. And again, for more information, you can also check out weeklyrev.org. And uh, here we go. Yeah, well, thanks so much for joining us here. Uh, would you like to introduce yourselves? Sure, I'm Alex Hanna. I'm a senior research scientist on the ethical AI team at Google. Okay, uh, my name is Malika Ahmed. I am a linguist and I was on the show a year ago and I am in the same position, which is to say, anybody's listening, please hire me. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> indeed. Love it. Well, it's nice to be talking with the, with the two of you. And um, one of the... I guess the, the main thing we'll be talking about today is uh, content moderation. And thankfully, um, there's a video that was uh, shared that the two of you put together that um, I would recommend that folks check out. And I learned a lot from it. So we'll be providing a, a link to that um, on our, our website, which folks can find at weeklyrev.org. And it's called 100 Lines in the Sand. So we'll be providing information about that. And I thought we could start off by perhaps talking about the, um, whoever would like to go first, uh, just about talking about what got you involved with content moderation or what made you interested in learning more about it. Okay, so um, what got us started in content moderation is that for a period of about seven months, I worked as a content moderator. And um, Alex, she works in like AI ethics and this, um, 
the fields have recently had quite a bit of overlap. Um, yes, Alex was recently requested to come on to do a keynote for this workshop on online abuse and harms. And she very kindly was like, Malika, how about you join me? And, and I did. And that's how we got into, that's how we made this keynote. But like the, yeah, and before that, I mean, we had both been interested in aspects of content moderation, but I would say this keynote kind of like honed us in on the topic in a different way um, that it hadn't in our personal research or work. Because, you know, after working in content moderation, I was okay with never touching it again. <laughs> I can understand. It's, I would imagine, I mean, I, I don't have a firsthand experience, but from talking with folks who have done that work, it just seems so difficult. I feel difficult is not even the a correct word to really fully grasp all of it, but it just sounds like very grueling um, and emotionally charged work. Yes. <laughs> These are good words for it. <laughs> you captured the essence. Yeah, I think, and I, I think thinking about it too is, you know, I, I had become friends with Maliha at that time and um, it was kind of fascinating hearing about it from the quote unquote AI ethics space. Um, I use AI ethics in like kind of a tongue in cheek <laughs> manner right now. Um, and as, actually, as someone also should always be tongue in cheek about anybody that calls themselves an AI ethicist. Um, but that's, we can touch on that later. Um, and I think also because sort of in a parallel work that I've, I've been doing um, in my current position, the things that I look at are around the um, training data that goes into AI and machine learning mm. and understanding kind of like where they come from. Right now, the people that use them sort of just grab them for wherever and then they put them through some kind of like annotation process. Um, and that data annotation work looks a lot like content moderation work um, and sort of how the organizations are structured, like how they outsource it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, and this is something I think you're going to realize more and more talking to Maliha. And so, um, yeah, so I'm doing that work, you know, inspired us to sort of do this talk and, and, and to really kind of focus on some key points and takeaways for what folks should understand about content moderation work and um, kind of the dimensions of policy and, and how it could be different. Yeah, there was certainly quite a lot that I learned in the video, certainly, and in terms of like the the outsourcing and the the hierarchy, it seems, which seems to unfortunately be a part of so many different business models as well, where the folks at the top who are making the decisions have no idea what actually goes into doing the work and creating the product, and then when they're held to account for the uh, reactions and the, um, from what the uh, result of what happens, they end up having no no skin no in the game yeah no real accountability they're able to just push off the consequences um yeah so okay i think it's important for us to touch on what happened this week that uh we're kind of like coming from so mm -hmm. alex's boss or ex-boss to meet jim brew uh just got fired from google uh oh. over some absolute bullshit reasons <laughs> um, oh. yeah yeah yeah, and so I mean, what happened? And this is this is sort of the take on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. um, it, it, 
but I mean, uh, just to give you background, I mean, what what to meet had uh, so to meet was my was my manager as um, as Millie has had said, and she's best known. She's a refugee from Eritrea, um, mm -hmm. and you know has in in she's known for many different things in the, in this space. One of the things that I think she's most known for is this paper in 2018 that was published with Zoe Bulamwini called Gender Shades, which showed that facial recognition worked really much more poorly for um, Black women. And so they um, had shown that it has like these very different rates, error rates. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so, and that has provided some kind of entree into you know, the work around facial recognition bans um, in San Francisco, in Oakland, in Somerville, in Boston, and has gotten a conversation about, you know, nationwide facial recognition bans. Yeah, so uh, her work has, like, direct implications on our personal lives, and mm -hmm. uh, she, like, the way that she got fired and, like, a lot of the ways that, um, blame got placed on her for things that weren't in her control or weren't her fault. Um, like, I mean, we saw a lot of parallels to, um, to our keynote. Um, one of the things that she got um, sort of in trouble for was that she had sent out this letter to um, a list of like women and allies within Google. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, if you haven't read the letter, it's a really good letter. And one of the things that she says in it that really re um, resounded with me was um, she told people that they should stop doing diversity, equity, and inclusion work that the only way forward for companies to be held accountable is ex through external, um, yeah, external pressures. And that's something we mm. discovered, you know, uh, with regards to, like, YouTube and Facebook. Like, the only pressure that they actually listen to is external. Um, we strongly advocate, like, creating those external pressures in some ways, like, through, re like, regulating agencies and stuff. And the other thing that w was sort of, like, the thing that they also used as a kind of a cudgel was she published this paper on um, what were called large language models. So these are models, these are AI models that basically ingest a huge amount of text data. And then they generate like, they generate text or they change text. So you might've seen some stuff on the internet where like, it just is like, it sort of generates fake text. Um, but it's like trained on a bunch of data. You don't really know where it come from, like Reddit and like Wikipedia. Like Reddit's a trash fire, and like Wikipedia is oh, mostly but like data yeah. that's just not curated at all, basically. Yeah, it's mostly it, it's mostly written by men, and they also pointed out the environmental cost of these models, training these models, and mm -hmm. so this has been, which is stuff that they're they're not they were actually weren't the first people that wrote about this. There's actually been some people that wrote about this before, and so kind of those two things, kind of the initial. And sort of like the one two. This is sort of what they pinned pinned her firing on, and and then sort of the Jeff Dean, the head of research at Google, has just been sort of gaslighting us the entire time about one two. Oh. They had a meeting today that they invited uh, all the whole black Googler network, and then they like found a black VP who would like teach like who would like talk to the black Googler network and. They had these, they use this like very like 
language of healing. It was really like being gaslit. And it's like uh, they're saying they didn't do anything wrong. So what are we yeah. healing from, guys? <laughs> yeah. So oh. yeah, exactly. So they were in oh. even the language around like, oh, we need to, you know, there's like a, yeah, I don't want to say too much because, you know, they they already sort of basically threatened us. <laughs> um, right, but with it, with other uh, stuff. So like, yeah. It, yeah, basically like it's just sort of like continual gaslighting. Um, yeah. And 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 um, of um, of like black people in Google, black women, and so um, yeah. So it's it's so oh and 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 so the way that it actually went down is I got an email at like ten thirty four on December second with my manager's manager's manager VP. This is ten thirty four p.m. <laughs> yeah, ten thirty four p.m. at night. Uh, Eastern Eastern time. I'm in I'm in Ohio right now visiting my family, mm. and they, um, you know, the VP said, um, "Your boss has tendered her resignation. Um, you know, you um, like please continue doing your strong work or whatever." And so I thought, oh, she's just you know, okay, like I understand it. There's a lot of bullshit here. <laughs> I yeah. thought about quitting a lot, and then um, and then. <laughs> I texted her and she's like, oh, I didn't resign. And so like, so it's complete different <sighs> things. And there's, I mean, if you want to go to the, there's a whole kind of FAQ on what happened um, that you can find if you just Google like medium, Google walkout, um, or if you can put that in show notes or something. And there's a petition. Yeah. Can um, you please but, just repeat that? Yeah. Google, um, Google medium walkout. Google medium walkout and look at the account. And you'll find the account that's Google Google Walkout.medium.com. And okay. Um, okay. yeah. And like the first article, um, they're kind of on like setting the record the I mean the first two setting the record straight and then standing with Dr. Sandeep Jigru kind of lays out what happened. And mm. so, you know, right now, I mean we had huge support in this since like we launched this petition. We have twenty two hundred public Googlers signing it actually has or, or 2200 not public Googlers but 2200 Googlers signing and over 3000 people in industry it's actually right now it's like 3500 in industry in oh, wow. so this petition already has about 6000 signatures um, absolute outpouring of support which was so heartening to see yeah so it's been really heartening to see this solidarity um, I mean I think like kind of goes further I mean in conversations just to bring it back to the original conversation about the needs for independent research around things mm -hmm. like content moderation and technology, um, the need for um, the need for kind of like academic freedom, but also the fact that like these companies just have too much power, and you know, like <laughs> just a, in in any kind of effort, and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for listeners. My cat Anna just walked into the shop, <laughs> and Maliha is at my house right now. So, <laughs> and sorry, I got very excited to see uh -huh. baby girl. <laughs> she just she woke up and she was uh -huh. like, ah! <laughs> "Sorry, uh -huh. I'm sorry." Well, I have a couple of cats over here who are sleeping, so I'm sure if and when they wake up and make an appearance, I will also. Amazing. Make a okay, excited gesture. I can't wait. Um, 
Sorry, that was that was completely derailed. You know what? We can cut out the audio. It's okay. Oh my god. Oh no, it's fine. It'll be just Yeah, I just kind of usually play it through. Yeah. Like oh. <laughs> um, oh, and uh... but yes, yeah, so the way that we were kind of tying this back to the original is uh in reference to a lack of corporate accountability, um, as well as the fact that um like we see a lot of parallels between the two, um, because um they created a distance between themselves and Tamit, uh, in a in a not dissimilar way to the way that higher ups, like principals and agents, right? Like um, the way that Sundar Pichai creates distance between himself and like YouTube content moderators, right? Like you see the mm -hmm. parallels, but the difference is that Tamit is uh, very high profile. She is famous worldwide. Um, mm. She's got a lot of outspoken support, well as like. Generally, moderators don't have that. This was something that Tamit was talking about as well on her Twitter, uh, when it's like, okay, well, here's this woman with, like, demonstrated, um, like, long history of being an absolute genius, um, and this is how she gets treated, right? Um, how do people get treated when they do not have her, her stature, her publicly known? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, another reason that we were like, oh, okay, it looks like content moderation is something important to look at. Because, um, so we talked about outsourcing to other com countries, but another thing is like, have, like I worked through two different companies that uh, until I worked for like the company in question. So like YouTube um, contracted their work out to Accenture and then Accenture contracted their, subcontracted their work out to another company. And that's the company that I worked for. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was a way of creating, abs like, just complete deniability. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, there's, Ugh. there's like, different reasons why companies at least sort of say they, they do that. I mean, you know, the kind of rationale tends to be on, like, you know, this sort of language that management loves to use on quote-unquote flexibility um, being able to like hire and be flexible in different kind of workforces. Um, they also try to shunt it to the degree, uh, something around scale and scaling. Basically, you mm -hmm. try to, you have to hire out all these people who are sort of local to the, to the context to do this. But that's actually not really why they do that. I mean, they do it because it's cheap labor. I mean, it's a sort of in, in they do right. it because of economics. They also do it because of legal liability. Yeah. Um, and right. so, and and you would actually, having to provide benefits. Yeah, and if you were actually, if you were actually, like concerned about like getting it right in these different locations, it would actually, you would actually do a few different things, right? You would actually bring some of it in house, um, to actually be connected with the quality of that. You would also have these offices in many more different locations. Um, I work right now, actually, someone that Tamit was going to work with, and he just came to Google for a year as a visiting researcher, was um, a researcher named um, uh, El Mahdi, and um, I forget his surname. And his um, let me let me search it real quick on on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> His name is, uh, yeah, Ahmadi Al-Mahamdi. And, and he, uh, you know, one, re one reason, you know, something he's focused a lot on has been on how there's such a disproportionate kind of enforcement of moderation on um, 
and Twitter and YouTube, and you have to know a bit about like a UAE and like in in like Moroccan politics and like kind of regional politics. Mm. In I mean, any any kind of like person in who has versed in in the in like Middle East could tell you these things in kind of regional politics, and um, you know these are things which actually get quite ignored, and there's not enough linguistic competence on this. Um, and so linguistic what? Competence, like people mm. don't actually speak the languages in which this like harassment and abuse mm. is happening. Um, you also, we also saw this. We also saw this in uh, there's a, a data scientist from Facebook that just posted a thing, um, a couple of months ago. It was talking about these like, actions that were happening and all this abuse that was happening, in places in in different places, um, in different places that were like in the global south, and um, it was basically like up to her to like find these things, um, and you know one person who was overworked and like overstress on what this is happening but they don't actually care about the context or have enough competent people doing what it's doing so i mean that's that's the same thing that's happening there's the kind of excuses that are being used for this outsourcing are pretty shallow mm-hmm. and um you know at the end of the day it's, it's it's you know this kind of analysis that i think has to do with how much money it costs the political economy of it as well as um Kind of like the distance that they can do from a liability uh, perspective. Mm. It reminds me of about maybe right before the election in November, um, I talked with a couple of drivers who were affiliated with uh, folks voting against uh, no on Prop 22 or voting. Can you hear me? Okay. And uh, it just sounds like so similar to like these big companies like Uber and Lyft who would do everything they could in order, like including rewriting or creating legislature that would ensure that their workers did not have basic rights. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, one of the things Alex was actually working on uh, voter outreach for that, like um, phone banking. And one of the things Mm. that we found out is, uh, is that apparently in order to keep working for some of these companies, um, like if you're an Instacart driver or whatever, you would have to press like yes i support it in order to keep yeah. working and then they would yeah. use that as actual data instead it, it's coerced such like, bullshit it's <laughs> yeah horrendous it's like disgusting. for a lot of people this is just their livelihood like what are they gonna do say no and then starve yeah yeah this is like yeah this is also i feel like this is also kind of the backlash that uh content moderators receive like mm. i'm minorly concerned because um I think that everything I'm saying about YouTube is protected, uh, but I did sign an NDA when I was with them. I think I couldn't find it, but I must have, right? Because like they don't make you watch child porn without first making you sign an NDA. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Wait, uh. um, but like this. Oh no! It's like yeah. And oh. then like there's also like here's Alex and like she's trying to defensive of her boss but that necessarily involves shitting on google um because google did a shitty thing here and what that means here is yeah. that here's alex and she's like okay i'm gonna defend my boss but then also like oh well what if what if i do it and i'm also afraid of getting fired of course yeah 
Well, I mean, it's like, I feel like they have these actions in order to try to scare other people. Like, oh, we're going to, if this one person speaks up to us, then we're going to ask them to leave. And then in a way it would just, yeah, it's awful. I also wonder, I remember like when Google started, I thought it's, tagline was don't be evil and i'm wondering what happened they removed they it. just they did yeah they just couldn't live with themselves anymore i guess they were like I, yeah when i was working at youtube my um like they have google umbrellas that you could borrow um and uh it's it's so it's an umbrella and then around the whole circle it says uh, don't be evil don't be evil um and uh my wellness coach was so disturbed wellness coach First of all, what a fucking joke is a wellness coach. Anyway, but my wellness coach uh, was, like, disturbed by it because it's so ominous and, like, don't be evil. It just, it's, there's something about it that's off-putting if you don't know that this is, like, you know, from 2005 or whatever. Um, yeah. But the thing is, by then, they'd already removed it. So, like, it was... And on an umbrella. Yeah, his reaction when I told him that, oh, yeah, that's not their... Like slogan anymore. I mean, also like in the uh, <laughs> in the uh, 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 it sounds it it goes from a different mood. I mean, I don't know which mood it is because you are the linguist and not me. But it becomes um, it becomes um, a, a, a more from a code to a to an imperative to the like content moderators. Now the mm. content moderators are being told like not to be evil rather than like it being kind of like a code of conduct sort of thing i don't understand what you mean i meant like you know like one of those things there, there's a value statement in which the owners are saying don't be evil but then if there's just like an ominous umbrella that's like don't be evil <laughs> you know what i'm saying a literally ominous umbrella <laughs> yeah the ominous umbrella that says don't be evil maliha uh, which in this case, like, <laughs> what does that even mean? Like, they were which... supposed to say it to themselves. Yes, Why they are they telling us? They should have told We have no us. power to be evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when we try to be it's a lot good, of projecting, actually, I guess. Yeah, when we try to be good, it actually is like a liability on us. Yeah, I mean, we like as a content moderator, if I was to be evil, uh, that would be like letting through hate speech, you know, like, oh, I see. Which happens anyway, it seems. Which happens like, anyway. Clearly, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like, it's just, it's so, like, I'm not on Facebook much. I still have a profile up, but I've been trying to, like, wean myself. However, I have so many contacts on there that it's really difficult. But I do know that it's like the whole platform itself is evil. And yep. just, it's, yeah, it's, ugh. Yeah. And then one I think for. That... Uh, one thing that I heard about recently in the news is that there is this Russian YouTuber named uh, Stas Free or something like that, and he um, he basically would abuse his girlfriend for money, um, and she announced that she was pregnant, and in that video, um, or like, not in that same video, but um, this was not originally uploaded onto YouTube, it was live streamed elsewhere. But the thing that he got paid uh, money to do for this particular episode or whatever was that he and a friend stripped her to her underwear and then pushed her out onto the balcony and she had to stay there for a number of minutes. But the thing was, it's in Russia, so it's like negative degrees. And um, that's Fahrenheit for our international listeners. And <laughs> yeah, and, and when he finally went out and got her, she was not 
alive anymore. Um, and so it's like, <sighs> this is a, like, snuff film up, and people have, like, reposted it to YouTube so many times. YouTube is really struggling to take it down, and the, like, main thing they can say in their defense <sighs> is that at least it wasn't originally uploaded here. At least the live occurred somewhere else, which is like, that's nothing. That's not a defense. And then um, one thing that you'll notice is that YouTube's algorithms know enough to put a tag on it that this, like, you know, I, what do they say? Like, this content may be sensitive for some viewers or something like that. Like, mm -hmm. they put an age restriction or something like that on it. But they can't put, like, they can't have it automatically be taken down despite the fact that there is a dead body in it. Like, they pull her in, and it takes him a long time. Like, he's Ugh. talking to the chat, and he's saying, oh, she seems cold, or, like, you know, like, oh, I don't think she's breathing. He's talking to his viewers, right? This is a level of sociopathy, and, like, I don't know. I don't know that much about computer vision and stuff, but, like, I feel like if it can tell that this is sensitive content, particularly because the titles are all, like, this dude kid kills his girlfriend, or this girlfriend dies on camera. Like, all the titles are like that, and for them to not be able to automatically shut that down, that is not a, uh, that's not something that they can't control. That's something that they're not controlling. And mm -hmm. it's like, the work's being pushed onto content moderators, but for why? Like, this, this is something that could be handled. Yeah, like, while I was working at YouTube, um, the, um, the shooting in New Zealand, when the, mm. that, subscribed to that guy who shot up the two mosques. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, I was working at YouTube when that happened, and they immediately shunted all of the work onto this one particular team. And I worked right across the aisle from them, so then that's how I knew that. And it, it's like, they were all, like, telling me how to see... They were like, oh, I refuse to watch the video. Like, most of them refuse to watch it all the way through. They just, like, watch enough to be like, oh, okay, so there's, like this color carpet, this kind of door, the person looks like this. Okay, we can recognize it immediately. We don't have to wait until people start dying to figure it out. Um, but then the main, the lead of that team, um, he was, he was Muslim, he was Middle Eastern, I forget where he's from, but he made himself watch the whole thing because he felt like he had a responsibility yeah. to. Yeah, that's how I felt too. Like, what a painful thing to do to yourself. But like, that's what some of these <sighs> moderators are coming from like the person who trained me she was considered like a golden reviewer because um her accuracy score was what they based like if she made a review and she called for instance uh one of my one of my skills that they trained me in was telling if someone's a minor or not or guesstimating if someone's a minor or not with high level of accuracy so for instance um i remember having a video where i couldn't tell if someone was a minor and it was uh, because they looked like a malnourished adult. Mm -hmm. They looked like they could have been a malnourished adult, or they could have been a minor who was, like, also malnourished. But so, like, if she made the judgment that this person was an adult, then everybody would go with that judgment. She was considered the mm -hmm. golden one. First of all, on a side note, in my very first week, um, I found out that this lady, who is the golden reviewer, crucial to this team and this job she had to work a second job as a like bartender or waitress or something just to, like, uh... <laughs> this is like the level of disrespect for even those who you are indebted to uh... 
Um, but yeah, she was also oh. somebody who was like very strongly affected by child sexual abuse imagery. Um, and so she was she was also one of those people who um, would make herself watch him so that you can so you could figure out like the kinds of advice that she gave us during training was like like very useful, very upsetting. <laughs> so like one of the things was like if you turn off the sound, then it looks like you're watching a movie. You can take yourself out of the moment and pretend like it's not real or like, yeah, just stuff like that. Or like if you're using audio cues to try to figure out if it's a minor or not, then you can also shut off the video and just listen to audio. And it was like recommended not to do both at the same time, stuff like that. So it's like, mm -hmm. but she would make herself watch them. So she became familiar with them so that she could like do more about them later. But like, I don't, I don't know how much that actually like, she definitely wasn't getting paid enough for it. Like, she definitely was motivated by the mission of protecting children. But the thing is, yes. she shouldn't have had to work that hard to protect children. Like, YouTube had a lot of responsibility, and they absolutely, like, fumbled the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. Oh, I mean, that seems to be, like, a common occurrence with these large tech companies. I guess they only get so large for a reason. Yeah, I mean... By being evil, <laughs> you know, you you have to be you know generating money for the shareholders at whatever cost. I mean, that's the name of the game. Um, and I mean that the kind of you know one of the I know one of the things you asked us earlier on is, you know, what what kind of, um, you know, what where we kind of got information about this from, and, you know, oh, where yes. we, um. And like part of it's, you know, Maliha's experience and the experience of our coworkers. And we also were watching some uh, some um, um, talks from some former moderators um, sitting. Ooh, talk um, about the board. Yeah, yeah. So, so for instance, and there was uh, this new group called the Real Facebook Oversight Board, which takes mm. its name from, you know, this the the Facebook Oversight Board, which is this external board full of of lawyers and academics um and zero um, content moderators zero content moderators and they're they're the ones that kind of it's, they're supposed to be the the ones that sort of adjudicate what happens to um to uh you know to certain cases and you know these folks are folks where you know like there are certain kinds of cases that get elevated and and whatnot and the thing is that this this like board is supposed to have some sort of external power, but it doesn't really have any power. Even reported, I remember that they were supposed to have these um these sort of like uh, dashboards and laptops that they were supposed to get access to, and mm -hmm. uh, like they they like couldn't even get, like get the laptops <laughs> like for some reason that <laughs> they couldn't get even like for some reason there was like a difficulty of like getting them laptops. So it was really bizarre and there's like all these excuses and so this group the real facebook um uh oversight board is kind of a kind of a combination of lawyers and whistleblowers and they i think they're based in the uk and um you know they've had they've had a few different um uh um events on on youtube and um or public events and and so one of the one of the people that we we, we quote a lot in the talk is um, Vianna Ferguson, and who's a former subject matter expert and content moderator. And, you know, in, in that, you know, it was really 
amazing to hear her talk because she was talking about sort of like the sort of um, two points. And one kind of related to what Malia was just talking about was how content moderation actually, you know, it's a hard job. It, there's ways to make it sustainable, you mm -hmm. know, and there's actually ways, like it's hard, but there's ways to actually make it sustainable. And that includes like you'd have to dramatically reduce the kind of time moderators are actually working. Uh, you'd have to give them real healthcare, real mental health care instead of these wellness mm -hmm. services. <laughs> you would have to actually treat them and pay them like real employees by bringing them yes. to the house. And, you know, like Deanna, like like uh, Maliha, like Maliha's colleague, like there is a moral commitment to this kind of work that these folks do. They do it because, I mean, they do feel like they're protecting folks from kind of the worst elements of the internet. Yes. You, you also hear this from moderators that um, that uh, um, Sarah Roberts, who's one of the first um, scholars to write on commercial content moderation, has also said in her respondents, I remember one of her respondents that said something like, I feel like this kind of mythical evil eater that's in, um, I think, Celtic uh, mythology. Um, mm. and, and so there's, <laughs> there's such a, this moral aspect of it is so, like, Folks feel committed to it because they're like making the internet kind of like livable, um, but then at the same time, like these companies are not making it livable for these for these people. Um, so, and and just getting back to the "don't be evil" imperative, right? Mm -hmm. You know that imperative uh, might be written on these umbrellas, but like I feel like if your boss is yelling at you like that to "don't be evil" when you're really trying not to be evil. But they don't allow you to have the tools of not to not to be evil or to actually do it with that's in a way that respects your humanity and the kind of moral sensibility that you have. I will say that my boss has never yelled at me. Like my team in particular, uh, I would say that definitely the like the higher ups kind of knew what was what. Like they know this is a trash job. They're like, okay, sure, like. We're gonna look the other way when because we've had a certain amount of uh, so-called wellness time, and we were supposed to use it for so-called wellness activities. <laughs> and I have to ask. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but what would what would qualify as a wellness activity? Oh, uh, so our wellness coach, um, our so-called wellness coach, <laughs> our wellness coach would uh, about once an hour or something hold a five-minute activity. For, uh, like not all of them are five minutes but like this is a normal example so like every hour there's five minutes of like going in the wellness corner and doing push-ups or doing you know physical activity or like yoga or meditation or yeah and they had a meditation room that was very very attractive they put it up really nice um yeah and yeah and then we'd go on a couple walks a day um but one thing about the wellness coach is that I always knew that I couldn't necessarily, well, I didn't know at first, but then I knew that you can't really trust them. You can't talk to them about uh, what stuff is affecting you. Um, mm. Yeah, I had some big stuff happen in my personal life while I was working there, and I, like, I didn't feel safe to talk to them because I knew that they were basically taking notes, and if they thought it would affect my work, they would, like, go ahead and you know take it up the line and they you know i remember talking of uh is it called eap employee assistance program you're supposed to get a certain number of 
like uh, therapy sessions through Google, and mm. I talked like I found out that this was a thing, and I was like, I think I could use that. And I talked to my wellness coach and was like, Can you get me into that? And he was like, Oh well, you know, I don't really recommend it. And I don't remember the reasoning he gave me. It was something about the fact that it's like you only get 10 therapy sessions as opposed to finding an outside therapist. And I was like, yeah, but that would fucking help me. Like, are yeah, you joking? Absolutely. Would help way more than a, yeah, yeah. So wellness time, we were given, I think, if I remember correctly, it was like an hour or an hour and a half, an hour and 15 minutes, whatever. We were given this amount of wellness time every day to do wellness activities or take to use as we wanted to. Um, mm -hmm. and every, and like, you weren't supposed to use them to go take a long lunch, but you could. And I regularly, I mean, if, if it's your time, I'm yeah, saying, your time, right? You'd be able like, to use that for whatever in a is wellness for you. <laughs> yeah. Instead it's, of sounds taking, like something you do in elementary school. Yeah. I would much rather go spend an extra 30 minutes to eat a burger. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I eat slow. That's the joke. But, um, but not the point. The point is, like, my uh, my higher-ups had a tendency to look the other way and not be like, Maliha, did you take a very long lunch? <laughs> like, they would generally not get on my back for small things like that, especially because I made my numbers. I, you know, I did okay at the work, and yeah, I was, I was good at the job, even though it made me feel the way it did, and because of that, my managers were definitely um, a lot... Um, yeah, I never saw them treat other people the or treat um, content moderators the way that you hear about in the news, the way that Facebook um, treats its content moderators, and they have like nine minutes of wellness time, and like everybody has to go pee at the same time. Um, uh. Yeah, yeah, or like you have a strict amount of lunch time, and then you spend a lot of it just waiting in line to use the microwave or try to use your lunch break to use the bathroom. It's like it's just. <laughs> Uh, I did that not have terrific. those problems at YouTube. I hate to be like, oh, well, well, this, these are the things that YouTube did well, because, like, it doesn't make up for the fa fact that this is what we had to see, this is how low we were paid to see it, and this is, like, mm -hmm. what they could have done that they didn't to protect us better yeah. or to make the job more sustainable. Right. I mean, I walked around an angry person for so long. It took such a long time to let go of that. I, like... I mean, I didn't even realize that it was traumatic until, like, I was triggered in January when, like, I was, yeah, I went to go visit my cousins, and she just had a baby a couple years ago, and it was my first time meeting this baby, and, like, I saw her bathing her kid, and my brain was like, oh, okay, I can't be here, and, like, I had nightmares that night, uh. like, I did it over something so not, like, normal, right, and it's like, you don't, yeah, I was not paid enough for that, like, this is not, <laughs> yeah, so, but here's what YouTube did right. They gave us more time. They gave, like, my particular team, they, like, our managers would generally look the other way so long as we hit our quotas for the day. And we did not have, like, 5,000 posts a day to go through. We had to do, like, I don't know. Uh, last I was there, it was, like, 400 or something, which is, like, very doable. Um, yeah. <laughs> so these are the things that make me say, yeah, it uh, a lot of the job is pretty awful and, you know, leaves long-lasting effects, but also here's the ways that they did well and they could have done better. Like, this is, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, we recently, 
briefly had a Q&A session with other people and it was like, it's really weird to try to tell people, yeah, the job is looking at like, you know, horrible content or hate speech or whatever, it, but it can be made more sustainable. You can make it so it's like, because already some of the things you get desensitized to naturally, just in the course of like, like in a very mundane work way, you get desensitized. So like the fact that, yeah. Yeah, it could be made a lot more sustainable um, so that these, you know, so-called sin eaters, um, they can do their job and the sin doesn't have to poison them. Yeah. Oh. Thank you for sharing all that. That's a, that's a lot. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Glad to help. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Goodness. Okay, let's see what I got. Here. And I have the, uh, I mean, just uh, <laughs> just uh, follow, I mean, yeah, I mean, in the kind of talk, I mean, we talk about the sustainability, and I mean, you know, just reiterating the sort of things that, like, you know, the kind of, you know, the kind of bring bring workers in house. I mean, this is sort of like one thing, you know, the kind of like mythical Google. Facebook, whatever tech company benefits that they have that, you know, with slides and silly shit like that, but like actually having mental health support, uh, that, yeah. would actually, that would actually be, um, you know, actually pay people, um, actually have that kind of insurance. Um, uh, you know, another thing, this is something, you know, Mary Gray suggests, and I think would also be kind of a, um, a, a good suggestion. Um, Mary Gray's for these crowd workers who do things on kind of like uh, Amazon Mechanical Turk and distributed work would be to have like a guild system that kind of like brings people together um, and, and also has like some kind of a floor for, for benefits and also kind of a floor for like what people can share about like which employers are shitty and which employers are going to, mm -hmm. you know, and that being cross-institutional as well, uh, not only within one company, but across multiple companies. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and, and then also, like, in terms of, we haven't really talked about the policy aspects of this, but even, like, you know, on the, on, even on, and that, on the policy side, having companies share details with themselves as kind of, you know, new and emerging threats um, kind of in this space rather than having all these different, you know, books, uh, you know, code books and instructions and policy that sort of floats around, um, you know, in, in a really uneven way. Um, so, you know, all of these would improve um, kind of conditions of workers at these companies. Yeah, from what I'm really hearing is that it's just so much of a big labor issue yeah. on top of everything else too. Like there's certain, there's several pieces to it and that just seems to be an overwhelming aspect to it. Yeah, uh, one thing that I heard this week um, in terms of Tamit's, uh, Dr. Jibru's um, plight uh, is uh, that once there's no more av avenues of escalation, that's when you should consider it whistleblowing and therefore like protected speech. And I mm. think that like talking about the fact that like Facebook is necessarily a worse employer in these ways, like the fact that they're making people come back in during the pandemic 
what the fuck, Facebook? <laughs> like, do better. Um, so when you look at, yeah, that kind of stuff, it's it's clear to me that this stuff is not covered by an NDA. There's no way to have um, the employer mediate with you or default mm-hmm. arbitration. There's no way to do that, right? There's no, yeah, there's no routes of escalation. There's no way to um, talk to each other and ask, like, okay, which employer is least likely to have me be screwed later? Or, like, the fact that, um, yeah, Facebook is worse, but it pays a little bit more than YouTube. Like, that's the kind of stuff that we were, like, thinking about while we were there. Because there were people who Mm -hmm. switched over um, because they Mm. were like, oh, okay, so this is bullshit, but, like, maybe it would be better at uh, Facebook for these reasons. Like, maybe I would be willing to do it for $5 more an hour. Mm. <laughs> mm. <sighs> um, I did want to talk a little bit, sorry for the abrupt shift. I did something that was like really um, interesting in the video that I appreciated was the the segment when, and you've talked about it a little bit here, was just the external pressures and just ways that um, folks, whomever um, is affected by this can push back against the the actions of the higher-ups. And so I thought we could maybe talk a little bit more about that to help provide both um, either folks who work in tech or work without tech, but everyone, for the most part, uses tech and social media in one way or another. And I think understanding how everyone can help support folks, whether they be content moderators or not, just to to put pressure on these companies. Uh, if we could talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So these, I mean... so these are like talking about <laughs> solutions. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what those are called. Yeah, I forget solutions. about that. I think I'm really sad. Well, that was definitely something that we were concerned about when we first started with the um, keynote, started working on the keynote, where I was like, you know, I've got some problems, but I've got zero solutions. And, you know, the more we think about it, the like we touched on it kind of briefly. Like I made a connection in the um, keynote to the finance industry, how like there's two different ways that finance is regulated. And one of the ways is it directly comes into their profits, right? Um, if they don't catch fraud. So I was specifically talking about fraud. So in, in the analog, the fraud is the hate speech or like, the child abuse or the you know whatever minor sexualization like these are the things that are not the content that you want to have on your site so we can call it fraud um mm-hmm. for the analog it, it, like we touched on it so vaguely but the more i think about it the more i'm like yep external regulation that's the way to go so there's the internal regulation where they regulate it because it cuts into their profits then there's the external regulation where there's con- consumer protections i think there should be analogous consumer protections for social media mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Alex, did you have something to say about this? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about how we get there and <laughs> how I get, how we get there is, I mean, the things that I think, I mean, I'm, you know, I, the kind of, I was politically raised in the labor movement. So, I mean, <laughs> the kind of ways that we get there is with collective action. Right. And I mean, I mean, in the kind of campaigns that we've seen, be effective against YouTube are often the kind of resistances that we see that come from um, tech workers, but also tech workers that are solidar- that are having solidarity with content moderator tech workers, so cross-class mm-hmm. solidarity. We've also seen actually the kind of ways 
in which creators as a type of worker have come together. And so there's actually a lot of folks who are influencers on Instagram or YouTube and and yeah, when they advocate for themselves, sometimes this gets things. So we talk about life with Mac in the video, but also like, oh, yeah. but also, you know, we've also seen changes that happen on a policy level when uh, LGBT creators get together. You know, YouTube had a pretty bad problem censoring trans videos, just in transition videos, for instance. Mm -hmm. and, um, when we see, um, we see creators come together because that is in some sense a type of platform labor and so you know i think there's a way in which there's these different groups that have that can develop different solidaristic structures and i think that's a really important to foreground i think in any kind of discussion of tech a lot of things what we mm -hmm. think about in our conversation around tech has to deal with like privacy and i you know privacy is important let's not neglect privacy but privacy as the way it's thought about in the u.s is very much about individual individual acts, and mm -hmm. and we always and we tend to see more effective and more consequential conversations when there's multiple different people and multiple different positions uh, banding together and taking actions in solidarity. We saw that at Google with Project Maven and the protest against Project Maven and Project Dragonfly. We saw mm -hmm. like an inside-outside strategy when Google tried to reconstitute an, an external ethics board that had the homophobic and transphobic member of the Heritage Foundation on it. The, the director. I forgot about that. That was just like <sighs> last That year. is so interesting. <laughs> their attempt at ethics. <laughs> yeah, their attempt at ethics. And there was, you know, real emphasis on it, you know, and I want to shout out uh, uh, Lucia Floridi, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's a popular, uh, kind of a famous AI uh, ethicist. He was the only one of them who took a stand uh, in in um, actually resigning his post there. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. other the people... heritage person? Yeah, when the heritage person joined. Other people, however, did not. But that took a lot of agitation, both intern inside of Google and outside of Google. And there was some nice kind of cross uh kind of cross ground solidarities and i mean tying it back to the current moment you know finding the solidarities that we have here both with internal google employees and external ones uh and external people and kind of in that the tech tech and and in and, and broader communities um google is an interesting place because it's been a place that it has a history of employee activism um mm -hmm. is maybe one of the places that has sort of some of the most visible employee activism, but they've also used that opportunity to increase repression. There's this concept yes, within social movement scholarship called the protest repression nexus, as is very annoying name, but it is, um, but what it means is like this interaction between states and protesters. But in this mm. case, it is a sort of interaction between companies and internal dissonance as the company is sort of, you know, sitting aside the state as like a powerful actor. And so we're seeing these more kinds of repressions. These kind of crackdowns on, oh. on Dr. Tanit Jabru. Oh, sorry to, oh, sorry. sorry to interrupt you. It, it like, cut out for a little bit. Oh, no, no, no. It, it, it cut out for a little bit. So if you don't mind, oh. just going back a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. sorry. I was just on a rant. Just like 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. So no, we, no, no, it's really interesting. Go back this, on the rant. 
let's go back to the protest repression nexus and we've seen this kind of increase yeah. of repression whether that's well that's not like in the case of google any kind of like repression you know they're not sending armed militias after protesters but they are targeting them for uh in inconsequential acts like sending an email or leaking or whistleblowing things that are the ethical move when uh you know when the employer is not willing to actually listen um and so uh we're seeing that escalation and then there's it's sort of a playbook that is they're ramping up and they've been fortifying themselves internally um and with you know being within google they've they've uh instituted a number of things like instituting are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts are ye on a raft without a pattern well gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutiny radio.fm from there you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. <laughs> As the world gets wackier and less predictable in every way, it is more important than ever for us to all remember our roots. We wouldn't be here today if our ancestors hadn't had the capacity and the skills to take care of themselves and their communities using the resources in the natural world around them and their own two hands. My name is Wonia Thibault of Buckskin Revolution and Alone Season 6, and I started Buckskin Revolution not just to empower people with a wider range of skills to meet their basic needs, but also to inspire them with a sense of fulfillment and connection that comes with living a little closer to the earth and using our bodies, our minds, and our very DNA for what they evolved to do to help us thrive without the need for modern technology and industry. If that sounds appealing to you, I hope you'll join me for the Fall 2020 Buckskin Revolution Online Skills Gathering, an eight-week learning experience designed to work within any schedule. It involves pre-recorded classes, live interactive sessions, and online community learning support from both myself and your fellow students. The need for these skills has never been more pressing, and Buckskin Revolution... Hey, Bobby, let's check them just to start, just to get them before we start. Uh, one sec, let's sound check these in real life so that we can figure out which is which. That one doesn't work, the one with no cover on it. I, know, I okay. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Sure, sure, sure. But let's, um, let's figure out what's what before we get started. Sandlock squirrels, dogs, and dead passes? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl! So, uh, let's, uh, check those out. Will you talk, will you talky-talk into it? So the, so the voice, so the, the voice is on one. Can you, can you talk into that one for a sec to make sure it's S1, and then I'll mark it down for you? Can you talk into that one? 
This one? Yeah, uh, yeah just make some noise. Check, check. Oh, that's check, three. Check, okay, good, 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 good. That's S3. So S3 is the swing arm, swing arm void. Okay. And then uh, let's check the other ones after. Uh, so we've got. Right here, I can check them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give oh, me some. We don't know where they're going to be. Well, yet. you can just snap in um, front of it or something. Uh, this is your amp, right? Yeah, if you can just check those. No, no, no. Those are fine. It's just up there. We know what that is. We don't know what those are. So, so let's see if that one is. Uh, talk, talk, talk. Okay, try again. Nope. Let's try this one. Okay, so that one doesn't work either. What's going on? It it should be that one. One only one of them has an on-off switch, and that might be it. There it is. Okay, that one had an on-off switch, and it's two. So two is the one. S two is has an on-off switch, and it's going to be used for what? I'm just marking them down for you so you can know. It's on the single stand. It's on the single stand. Okay. That means that the other one is, nope, let's try again. Why is that one not, try again? Test, there test, we go. test, S1. are you ready? So S1. Resolute Wine Bar, 678 Geary for Barrel of Laughs at Resolute, an amazing comedy show with the best wines curated by Resolute. On Wednesdays, join us at Asiento at, and 21st and Bryant for dinner and a show at Asiento. Delicious tapas, incredible drinks, hilarious comedy, Wednesday nights at 7.30. On Fridays at seven o'clock, join us outside mutinyradio.fm here at 21st and Florida, seven o'clock for outdoor comedy, socially distanced in the street. And Saturdays, join us at Atlas Cafe SF at 20th and Alabama. For Titans of Comedy, every Saturday at two o'clock. Is that S? So can you make sure talk into that one again to make sure what it is? Because I think it's S one. No, it's S two. Try it again. That's S two. Okay, good, good, good. Live on Facebook, Sunday, February fourteenth, eleven a.m. An international affair, hosted by Ms. Noir. Do you crave a carnival? Are you longing for some lecherous lines? Is it seduction from a sultry thought that you're sitting, or would you rather be ravished by a villain and drive? Care to venture a little voyeuristic versification with this lyrical libertine? Or could this wanton wordsmith maybe look an appetite for an allegorical adultery? Why not slake your literary lustings in a personal one on one. St. Valentine's Day Mascara. St. Valentine's Day Mascara. St. Valentine's Day Mascara. 14th of February 2021. 11 a.m. PST. Facebook Live. A date for everyone. Hosted by Ms. Noir. The Ministry of Lava manages our national lava resources to ensure that we will always have a steady supply of lava to operate the nation's active volcanoes, which in turn power our cities and methamphetamine labs. As a matter of national security, we need to reduce our dependence on foreign lava, which means an expansion of domestic lava drilling. As your chancellor, I will build lava wells all over the country 
as well as secure access to more lava fields by invading Hawaii. Imagine orange gold spurting out from school playgrounds on the Great Plains and illuminating the Nebraska sky like fireworks on the 4th of July. Magma oozing over the rolling hills of Kentucky. Volcanic ash settling gently over homes in New England like fresh gray snow. If you want global lava markets to continue to be dominated by terriblest regimes like Iceland, Chile, and the Philippines, vote for my opponent, who sits in their back pocket as comfortably as Pahoehoe on the slopes of Kilauea. If you want the United States to stay competitive in the era of peak lava and beyond, then take a chance on the Chancellor. Are you looking for local handcrafted leather goods? Look no further than Skin on Skins, a local mission a leather working shop. All original pieces handcrafted for you. Jackets, belts, purses, jewelry, everything made out of leather. You need your bicycle seat fixed? You want it in cool leather? Under can do it. You have a motorcycle that you want to fit out with side bags and cool stuff talk to under go to skinonskins.com that's s-k-i-n-o-n-s-k-i-n-s.com you just went to Folsom Street Fair and you don't have enough leather go see under everything is handcrafted and understated quality fine leather handcrafted goods for all of your needs he also does fixes maybe you love that jacket he'll put the zipper back in Talk to Under at SkinOnSkins.com at 20th and Mission. Check them out at SkinOnSkins.com. artist, music DJ, vinyl enthusiast, that is flat black plastic. This is Coach Elementus with Mutiny Radio, big up to the number one station, the ruling nation, give it to me every time. My name is Breakfast. And I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your Chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, 
Write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders. Look good on camera. End all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. I'm Serena Allison Ava. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice. LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> As the world gets wackier and less predictable in every way, it is more important than ever for us to all remember our roots. We wouldn't be here today if our ancestors hadn't had the capacity and the skills to take care of themselves and their communities using the resources in the natural world around them and their own two hands. My name is Wonia Tebow of Buckskin Revolution and Alone Season 6, and I started Buckskin Revolution not just to empower people with a wider range of skills to meet their basic needs, but also to inspire them with a sense of fulfillment and connection that comes with living a little closer to the earth and using our bodies, our minds, and our very DNA for what they evolved to do, to help us thrive without the need for modern technology and industry. If that sounds appealing to you, I hope you'll join me for the Fall 2020 Buckskin Revolution Online Skills Gathering, an eight-week learning experience designed to work within any schedule. It involves pre-recorded classes, live interactive sessions, and online community learning support from both myself and your fellow students. The need for these skills has never been more pressing, and Buckskin Revolution is working hard to bring them to you. I hope you can join us. Get connected with yourself and the world around you at buckskinrevolution.com. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience, like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two people's paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit 
thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs>